Hey, y'all, before we jump into this episode, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Faithful Counseling. As y'all know, we talk about counseling on No Matter What a lot. There have been several seasons in my life where seeing a licensed therapist has been pivotal to my personal growth and overall well-being. And a question I get all the time is how to start counseling and even where to find a trusted counselor in your area. And while the answer to that question used to be kind of long and complicated, I am so excited to now be able to tell you about Faithful Counseling. The three things I love most about Faithful Counseling, one, it's super easy to start your account and to start getting the help you need in whatever season you're facing. Faithful Counseling assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist in under 24 hours. You can send them messages, set up weekly video or phone sessions, and if you need to, you can switch your counselor at any time for no cost. Two, it's way more affordable than traditional counseling rates. And three, and probably most important to me, you know that you're talking to a certified traditional therapist, but also to someone who is a fellow believer and can talk to you from a faith perspective. And right now, Faithful Counseling is offering 10% off your first month. Just go to faithfulcounseling.com slash no matter what, all one word, no matter what. I've said it before and I'll say it again, going to counseling has been pivotal for my own personal growth and well-being. And now I am so grateful to know about Faithful Counseling so I can refer no matter what listeners to their service. Again, it's faithfulcounseling.com slash no matter what to get 10% off your first month of service. And now let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what, no matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like to be who God created you to be no matter what. Welcome back to No Matter What, y'all. I have a brand new friend to share with you today. I am so excited. Jessica Hoddle is on the phone with me today. Let me tell you a little bit about Jessica, and then I'm going to let her tell us even more. Jessica is a faith-based fitness coach. She's a podcast host. Her podcast is called What's the Truth, where she tackles lies that we believe, truths we need to believe. It's so good. Y'all need to check it out. She's a speaker and an author. She's written three books, Know Your Worth, A Worthy Wife, and Own Your Worth. You know, we're going to be talking to Jessica a lot about worth, which I love. She teaches women how to dismantle the lies that keep us from healing and wholeness. If that doesn't sound like a no matter what season, am I going to be who God has created me to be no matter what? I don't know what does. Jessica, I'm so excited to have you on no matter what today. Thank you so much for having me. It's going to be fun. Oh man. Okay. So tell us, I just gave everyone the like professional overview, but like (laughs) who is Jessica on a Tuesday morning? (laughs) Tuesday morning, typically a no makeup Jessica party on the top, you know, sweatpants (laughs) on the bottom. Um, and I love reading novels at night. So I just picked that up this year. So I'm more of like a sci-fi kind of novel girl though. Yeah. Yeah, That, I mean, I met my husband on eHarmony. We've been married uh, for for four years together for six. So, uh, we have no kids, but we have three fur babies (laughs) uh, that we love. And I just love being outside. So that is like my love language. And so is board games. Oh, yes. Like board games. I love board games. Okay. What's like one of your go-to board games? If my husband and I came over to your house tonight, what would we play? 
we be playing taboo okay. or illustrations or like a pictionary? Is is that what illustrations is like a pictionary? I don't know if I've it's, ever done that one. It's like a newer game, uh, but yeah, it's it's kind of like you're drawing, but it's almost like a telephone, but with drawing. I love like that. you know a telephone, yes. like you say something. Yeah, yes. it's like almost like that, but with drawing. So okay, that it's sounds fun. fun. We are a big board game family. Actually, both sides, my husband's side and mine, but my husband has a massive family. And so we're always trying to find games that we can play with like 20 people because that's what our gatherings look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe illustrations is one. Okay. What about what is a sci-fi book you read this year that you highly recommend? Mm. Well, I've always been a fan of the Hunger Games series and oh, stuff. Yeah. But did you read her uh, new book? Yes, I did. I just finished it. Did you love it? So. I haven't. I I read the Hunger Games. And I haven't picked it up yet. I just haven't haven't gotten it from the library. It's not my turn yet. <laughs> oh gosh, the ending for me was not like satisfying. Oh. <laughs> it wasn't satisfying. Um, but I hear they're having a movie come out too. So okay. Okay. Uh, hopefully the like, but it was good. Like it's a big book, long book, but it was good. And then I've read like I read through the Maze Runner series, yep. and then the Fifth Wave is something I read okay. through. I haven't heard of um, that one. But yeah, I've only made it through ten novels, which is really big for me. Well, and only ten. That's like one a month. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're, well, they're not. Some of them are shorter. <laughs> okay, but, okay, still. Um, but still, like the Hunger Games, b- the big one with Coriolanus, took me a while because. It's just a little bit thicker. And now I'm on Twilight's new book, Edward's yep. Perspective. And that's yep. like 800 pages. Oh my gosh. So girl's going to be here for a while. So I laughed. I have a friend who there's, I have a few friends that I get book recs from, but one of my friends, I didn't know this. And she posted on Instagram. This is how I learned that 2020 brought us another Hunger Games, another Twilight and another JK Rawlings book. And so both under her pen name and she's got another one coming out as you know, the real JK Rowling. And anyway, I'm like, wow, 2020, we're getting some long awaited things. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. yeah. For all the fans. Okay. Let's, I mean, we could talk about books and games forever, but that's not what we talk about on no matter what. Um, (laughs) We talk to folks about seasons they've gone through where they really had to decide, am I going to be who God created me to be no matter what the circumstances How do I even figure that out? Who did God create me to be? If they're in a circumstance that is hard or disappointing or tragic, or, you know, am I still going to trust God? Am I still going to serve him? So take us to one of those times in your life, Jessica, when was a time that you walked through a specific season of hardship that really challenged your faith and walk with the Lord? I was praying about this and I felt like the Lord wanted me to kind of share just the collective trauma of my childhood because it had affected my life for so many of my 20 years (laughs) Um, because I am 33 at the time this recording. And I would say most of my twenties was just a big bubble of emotions and feelings that really stemmed from the 18, you know, Mm -hmm. years that I was at home. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of what was on my heart today was to talk about how things of our past affect our future if we're not willing to address them in the present. Yeah. Let's go there. Tell us about it. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know the Lord until I was 22. So most of my life growing up, I always was questioning like, who's God? Why do people keep calling themselves Christians or Catholics? I just remember asking myself, like, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. I didn't know Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, that they were different things. That's it was very confusing to me because I would catch like stories, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, I can remember being younger and now I know it's the Bible. I didn't know it at that time. I didn't even know what a Bible was. I mean, most of my life. And 
So I just remember walking in. I, I remember seeing my grandpa read the Bible a couple of times. And my mom always said that she didn't want us to live the life that she had to live being forced to go to church three times a week. So Mm -hmm. my mom actually grew up in a home that was based on faith. Now I grew up in a very, uh, more of trauma home. I always say, I I think I came out of the womb in trauma. My dad was a recovering alcoholic and he was, he also smoked cigarettes and things. And my mom, I think was more of the emotional abuse side. And my dad was more of the physical. Mm -hmm. I, you know, had saw many times my dad hit my mom or or strangle her or just throw things at her. And so I think out of her pain of wanting to understand, we, my brother and I kind of got the uh, other side of her pain of how she was trying Mm -hmm. to, you know, take care of herself. And so many years I just spent and watched this kind of happen. Mm -hmm. And that began to form who I thought I was. Um, My brother took the other side and kind of went the opposite way into drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. and I was just left kind of searching for myself in, in the midst of men. I lost my virginity at the age of 12 and I just kind of wanted somebody to tell me, Hey, you're doing good. You're loved. You're seen here. Um, and most importantly, I think it just came down to that you're cared for. You just Mm -hmm. want somebody to care for you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's kind of the back history about why Mm -hmm. I think I wanted to talk about this today. Mm -hmm. So before coming to the Lord, what would you say, you know, throughout those first 18 years of your life, like what would you have kind of staked your identity on? Like what would you have said was the core of who you are? It was whether or not somebody liked me. Like that was huge. In high school, I wanted people to like me and high school was rough. So for me, it was, you know, being the prom queen that I never got to be, but I was on the court, you know, or the homecoming court. I always had to make sure I made the homecoming court. I'm, I grew up in a very small, I grew up in the country and we had people riding, you know, tractors to school. Uh, So I graduated a class of 66 and everybody knows everything about you. So for me, it was just, I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be popular. And that really translated into every area of, well, will this guy date me? Will this guy love me? Oh, this older guy is giving me attention. You know, as a freshman, our school was split up from seven to 12 at the time. So as seventh graders, we were with 12th graders. Uh, And so, oh, this older guy is giving me attention. And then I would be like gossiped about. So like all these things, and it just began to form who I thought I needed to be. And I thought I needed to be popular. I thought I needed to be pretty. Um, I remember just taking like, you know, my compact into class and my little makeup bag. And I was like, why did I ever do that? Cause like, I never do that now, Uh, (laughs) but just things, right. Like I had to be pretty. I got to have the clothes. I got to have all the things. And, and that really just, I can look back now and say that just rooted in insecurity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can you look back and identify like, what were the things that you believed about God based on your circumstances? Or were you even in a place like, were you just not even thinking about God period? Yeah. I remember my closet was where I often went when my parents were fighting. Mm -hmm. And I remember a very particular time where I just remember saying, God, why me? Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me. And it's kind, it's a kind father to just reveal this to me is like, I didn't even know who he was, but my heart wanted him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is just how he pursues us. Right. Yeah. Even though, why would I know how to say, God, why did you do this to me? And if I didn't even know him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's, you know, I never grew up around family, really. I wasn't really allowed to be around family. Uh, so family was kind of bad. You know, they didn't love me or they were just using me or, or all these narratives that I had heard. 
so at that point, the narrative around God is God, why is this happening to me? That was probably the narrative um, that I often believed. Yeah. So it's like you knew something in you told you there was a God and that he was in control, but (laughs) why he was allowing all of this going on in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Was what you were really trying to wrap your mind around. Okay. Tell us about, I can't wait to get into this. I mean, how did you come to the Lord? What was that journey like? Well, I, so I started working at Joanne Fabrics at 16. And at that time, it kind of gave me a little bit of separation from being at home. Cause I literally would wake up, go to school, come home and nap and go to work from like four to nine or four to 10, you know, so many days a week. And I think it gave me separation from that home life. Mm. And during that time, I was about 20. I was still working at Joanne's. I worked at Joanne's for eight years and my cousin would come in to kind of talk to me because that was kind of the only way that we got to talk or because family was awkward. I mean, I can remember probably the first time kissing my grandma in my twenties and then finally not feeling awkward. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like that's how uncomfortable being around family was to me. Um, and so she would just come into the store and she would try to talk to me. And then we just started bike riding together. And we would bike ride like 20 miles on a bike path, just take a lunch, take some food. And I remember just her, we're sitting at a picnic table and she was just like, Hey, do you, I don't even remember how she phrased it. Like, do you, have you accepted Jesus as your savior? Probably something very similar um, to that. And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) know? (laughs) Uh, And then after that, I said, yeah. And she was going to a non-denominational church at the time. And I started going to church kind of then and got water baptized. And that's kind of the beginning start. Wow. So it really was kind of like, a, I don't even know what this means, but I'm in and I'm going to start showing up and <laughs> like even yeah. to the point of like publicly declaring that I'm in by water <laughs> baptism. Yeah. I think it was that, I think it went back to that part of like, Oh, everybody's doing it. Like, this is what we do now. Right. Like you tithe. And I was tithing even a little bit, like I wasn't dedicated, but I was like, Oh, this is kind of what we do next. So I'm a checklist girl. Tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. And yeah, that's kind of how it started. Okay. So if you could travel back in time and talk to that, that version of you, what would you say to her? (laughs) to be kind to yourself in the process. And it's not about a checklist Mm -hmm. because that's what I feel like so many of us do today. If I could just read the Bible, get, check it off my list, do this, check it off my list. Oh, I'm going to tie, check it off my list. And we're missing the point so much. Yep. Yep. Okay. So tell us about the process of going from, okay, everybody's doing this and this is a way for me to feel like I fit in and loved and cared for to truly understanding God's immense love for you. Yeah. You know, my, my pain spoke to me a lot. Like that is what I viewed God through. That is how I viewed the world. And I was really just a victim and I felt like I couldn't escape. Mm. And even though I knew the Lord accepted him, I did not have the clouds part for me. Like I did not have this on fire for the Lord. And I just didn't have that. It took me four years or so to even get to that point. Like granted, I was reading my Bible and I was more of the cherry picker. I 
would open and what feels good. I never, I don't even think I read a full book in order or a full chapter, Yeah. but Hey, we all start somewhere. So I'm not condemning you there. I'm just saying that's where I started. Well, And you know, I think that's, I think that's more the norm. I just think we hear the other side. Like we hear those stories more often of the like radical salvation experience, totally on fire for the Lord. You know, I, I think, but I think what's normal is a very slow, because this whole life is a journey towards Christ, right? I mean, it's like every day is more growth and intimacy with him, hopefully growing closer to him. <laughs> Otherwise we're, we're never stagnant. I don't think, I don't think we're ever still. Yeah. Um, but anyway, but so I appreciate hearing that because I think, I think that's what's normal is this yeah. slow, especially in the beginning, a very slow progression. We can say, okay, Lord, I trust you. I'm in pray the sinner's prayer. I'm saved. But like the path to maturity never ends. Right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a slow, <laughs> yeah. it's a slow burn. <laughs> it's a long process. Oh, it is. Okay. I mean, it, I was living with, I mean, I lived with three different guys, um, not at the same time, but like two years, <laughs> yeah. two years, two years. And that was after wow. I knew the Lord, like yeah. I was still having sex. I was, yep. um, it just didn't penetrate my heart. Yeah. Like there was no awareness to my sin level, mm. even after, cause even yep. though I'm new in Christ, right. And our old sin nature had passed away. I was still not even aware. Like I was so yeah. aware of my sin. Right. Um, but I didn't know it was sin. I just, well, you know, I'm going to heaven. And so yep. that's just what I thought it was, you know, my, my eternity is secure now. Yeah. And then in the process of, I would say about after four years, I had come to this point where I kind of started going to church more frequently and I was dating somebody that wasn't a believer and we were living together at the time. He wasn't a believer, but now he is. And I remember I would just kind of like listen to worship music in my car because I knew I couldn't listen to it around him. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. I just started to feel that really strong. That's where the conviction came. And at one point I was so afraid of confrontation that I just stayed with him. Yep. <laughs> like we, it was like, so dry. There really was no passion or connection. And I had cut off sex at that point and he didn't know it. And, um, that's really, I think when it started and at the time somebody came into my life through a business mastermind, who was, who actually became my spiritual father. And that was the turning point for my life really. And I think my walk with God, because he began to really speak truth into me about my parents and about my pain and what God's word says about relationships and men. And so that's kind of, I think my biggest turning point around 25 or so, or probably before that 24, maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, and that things just began to change. Wow. So what are some of the things you, I know some of the things he said to you are like seared into your brain. So what are some of the things that he said to you that were just like profound for the moment that you were in? Hmm. Well, we always talked about Ephesians five. Like that was the Mm. huge scripture that we Mm. always went to about men. Cause he would always relate it to me and he'd be like, okay, well, how does this go into the scripture? Like Mm. the person that you're dating, but I have notebooks and journals of him. Mm. And he would always like say, uh, he would always say, Jess, you're doing it again. Like if we talk about something, like I just remember these phrases that he would say, um, we're still close today, actually, but it's more of a daughter father versus a, I mean, he's still my spiritual, but do you know what I mean? Like yeah. a different relationship yeah. now. And I, I can't remember too many clear things, just that he, mm-hmm. 
I was trying to get rid of this guy. Well, I was trying to pursue this guy. And he's like, Jess, you need to get rid of it. And I'll never forget. He was like, we're done talking about this. I'm shutting off my phone. And he hung up on me. <laughs> like he was just like that strong, you know, you're being so crazy right now, Jess. And he wouldn't be afraid to like call that, you mm. know? Um, mm. And that was really good for me because he was the first man that I actually trusted in my life. Mm, totally. So, okay. At this point, what are your conversations with the Lord? Like, I think my conversations with the Lord really turned into first, they were like, God, show me who I am. Like that was a big yeah. one that we often, I think we still say that today. Oh yeah. Um, because at that time I didn't really know the Bible I knew it was about God, but again, this whole transition, it was like, no, the Bible's about God. <laughs> um, but I always wanted him to show me who I was. And that's when I really began to go, maybe I should read a book like in order, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. or read scriptures in order. So my conversations were more like, what do you say about this? Because a lot of when I talk about the trauma from my childhood, that was what I spent most of my twenties trying to understand and work through. Mm -hmm. How can I have a relationship with my father? How can I not revisit those memories or start to like get really anxious or my heart starts to race when, you know, I hear my mom's name or, mm -hmm. um, you know, those things. And that is a lot of what I had to work through with the Lord of, okay, what is, you're telling me to forgive. Ugh, I don't want to do that. Cause yeah. when I say I have to forgive and you tell me about forgiveness, that just makes me feel like it lets them off the hook. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I don't think that's, I don't think that's right at all. Right. God, you know? Yeah. So a lot of my twenties were really this ringing out, so to speak of my opinions yeah. versus God's word and yeah. what that kindness looks like. What, how does, how can I be around somebody that wasn't always kind to me and how can I, you know, be that person that listens and understands, but also doesn't blame. Because if I can look at my parents' history and go, wow, you know what, maybe their childhood was this, or this is how they viewed pain. And I got the repercussion of that. Mm -hmm. Or my dad might've been struggling with something that I didn't know about. It doesn't excuse the pain. Uh, it doesn't excuse or take away, yeah. but it helps me to understand with compassion that mm -hmm. we are all flawed. And I'm sure that I have hurt people you know, in my life as well and said things and that has trickled down as well. And so it just been able to really help me to have empathy for a lot of different situations, drugs and sex and alcohol mm -hmm. and all the things to be able to relate to other people now, yeah. you know, and have empathy and compassion. And so that, I mean, I spent most of my twenties just asking God, like, here's what I feel, but what do you say about what I feel? And that's wow. really how the podcast even birthed um, this past year. What's the truth? Wow. Just want to interrupt this conversation for a second to tell you about my 25-day Bible study guide. In Philippians, Paul teaches us that joy comes not as the result of external conditions, but from internal confidence that God is at work and in control. And I don't know about you, but I need that reminder that my joy comes from my internal confidence that God is at work, that he's in control, that he is always good, not from my external conditions. I would love for you to join me 25 days in Philippians this month. You can learn more at hannahseymour.com or check out some of my other 25 days in Bible book plans. To have empathy and compassion for people that have hurt you, I mean, that takes so much maturity. And, and I think what you're saying is so much leaning into God's truth yeah. of 
who he says he is, who he says you are and being able to, you know, if, if we truly understood what, what we just, I mean, me as a person, what I have been forgiven of, what God has forgiven me of, if I truly understood the gravity of his forgiveness for me, if I truly understood the depth, the overwhelmingness of his love for me, that is then what in turn allows me to be able to forgive others, to have empathy and compassion on others. But I think, I think a lot of times, most of us don't, I mean, we, we've barely scratched the surface and understanding a, our sin and how offensive it is to the Lord B what his forgiveness truly means, see what his love really means. I want you to talk about forgiveness more because I know that there are people listening right now that the second you were like, yeah, it, it, that is how it feels that if I forgive someone, it means that, how did you say it? It lets them off the hook. Yeah. It lets them off the hook. I don't want, they should not be left. They should not get off the hook for what they did. Mm -hmm. Help us. I have learned that I can respond regardless of how somebody responds to me Mm -hmm. because Jesus is the pain taker. He's the loop closer (laughs) of our pain. He's the only one that doesn't cause us pain nor expect us. And his love is not conditional. Wow. So I can go to him and I can get resolution. This was a huge one. I mean, I talked to like single ladies and when I was single, it was, well, I got to go to that man and he better tell me every single thing of why he broke up with me. It was like, actually, <laughs> you don't, you don't have to wait to get closure. Right. You know, your parents might never give you the apology that you want, nor yeah. you deserve. I haven't talked to my mom in 10 years wow. and, or my brother. And it's been a, it's been hard. I cry often about that mother father relationship sure. and what I thought it would be. And, and I talk to the Lord all the time, you know, about that. And, um, it just didn't feel healthy. And so during that time, you know, when, if my mom thinks she's right. And I, I mean, that's really what we always thought about was she thought she was right and doing the right thing. And she wasn't listening to me. I felt like, or hearing me. And so we were always at crossroads, right? Yeah. And what that crossroads did, it was, it didn't cause understanding. It caused disconnection. Mm. And when it comes to forgiveness, I, I think we correlate it with reconciliation. Yeah reconciliation takes two people and it takes repentance. Reconciliation says both parties are coming together to say, I understand. And how can we move forward? Forgiveness though, is really the single party with you and the father. Mm. And it's really letting go of the pain that you think that you have to carry, because if you carry the pain, then that means it makes the situation real. And if you let go of the pain, (laughs) then you'll feel as though it never existed. And, you know, well, like I said earlier, it lets them off the hook. So really differentiating between reconciliation and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I always feel like the father saying, you know, I took that from you. Why do you keep carrying it? Wow. And that's huge for a lot of us is that we keep picking up the things that he's already taken care of. And so I like to give this visual of kind of like us carrying a backpack. We start our backpack with nothing in it. And then we start to carry pain and these unforgiveness in our heart and um, bitterness and anger. And we start to carry these heavy rocks, right? We start to put rocks. Every time there's a pain point, we put in a rock and we wonder why we are weary. We wonder why we feel heavy all the time, why we're lashing out on our husbands and, and our kids. And we can't have friendships because we're just looking at everything through our pain because our backpack is so heavy mm-hmm. with the pain that we're carrying. And the father never asked you to carry all this pain. He didn't right. ask you to carry the shame. He didn't ask you to carry the guilt. 
so that is why, I mean, I get passionate about that, about forgiveness, just because let me tell you, it is hard. Like I've had to have a lot of convert, like I'm in communication with my dad. He, you know, we have walked through a lot of stages, but it really became with boundaries yeah. and over communication. And it's taken me a long time to be able to say what I feel like I need to say and what he does with what I say that's on him. But mm. I was obedient to what I felt like I was supposed to do. And guess what? God sees that. Yep. And yep. that's all that I can do. Yep. And so hopefully that answers the question. No, but- that's so good. Are there any books or resources that you would recommend folks that, you know, that really helped you in grappling with forgiveness? Mm, that's actually good. I, I think a lot of it was my spiritual father in the Bible. Like yeah. I yeah. know that sounds, I don't want to say cheesy, No. Um, but like for me, a lot of the world's opinions of forgiveness can be really skewed. Mm. Um, and so the Bible is very clear that if you forgive, you will be forgiven. Yeah. Um, the stages and the process about forgiveness, go to your brother first. Mm-hmm. You know, I think another one is just really understanding boundaries. I mean, for me, you know, Henry Cloud wrote a book sure, on boundaries. Sure. Andy Kobler just wrote a book called Try Softer. So a lot of it was actually understanding my pain. Mm. So it honestly wasn't even forgiveness books. It was actually like books like Try Softer by Andy, which is helps you understand why you feel this way. Because wow. when I understood, I was like, oh, that makes sense to me. And then I was actually able to relieve it or pass it on because I could, I was able to understand why I was responding this way or things like that. Mm. So for me, I went the process of really the spiritual father. So I would say, talk to somebody trusted. Don't go to somebody that is just going to agree with you. And the Bible, of course, about forgiveness and really wrestle with that, but also understanding maybe why you respond the way that you do will help you understand how to actually Mm. begin to let it go. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Um, I'm, I know we've all heard the quote a million times, but I love it so much. It's to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover mm-hmm. that prisoner was you. Yeah. Uh, my husband and I were part of a church body that would always say forgiveness is saying you don't owe me anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and ha- that's that fe- true. And that feels like I'm letting you off the hook. That's what that, you know, I mean, it, it, yeah. it, they're very similar messaging, but the truth is that if I choose to forgive you, I am saying I have released you from whatever I think you owe me because you hurt me. And going back to your point, because Jesus is the pain taker. Jesus is the healer. Jesus can make everything right in my life. And ultimately, Jesus is in control of what happens of justice, right? Like, yeah, the Lord will make everything right. That doesn't mean I have to stand here and wait and demand and, and be unforgiving because I think you owe me something. Um, I mean, look, I mean, look at David and I just finished the Psalms. And if you look at David, he didn't respond, but he would tell, like, he'd be talking to God and be like, Hey, can you make my enemies like die? You know, like, can you just like take them away? And I love that honesty, right? Like he didn't respond. He didn't go take, do that himself, but he would pray those prayers, you know, Mm -hmm. make my enemy, my footstools, Mm -hmm. get these enemies away, away from me, you know, but he would also pray for the strength and the wisdom and those, I mean, the Psalms came alive, came alive to me this year, mm. reading them. Cause you can almost find yourself, you know, David sitting in that cave oh, yeah. or, you know, on the mountains or wherever he was just looking at the battlefield of like, wow, this feels heavy. Hey God, like my yeah. enemies keep coming at me from all different directions. 
But again, we choose how we respond. I mean, even when he encountered Saul, what did he do? He cut that little piece off and yeah. said, Hey, look, I could have killed you yeah. um, really easily. And I didn't yeah. because <laughs> I fear what, the Lord. I chose, yeah. I spared your life because I fear the Lord more than I fear the fact that you might kill me. Yes. And I think we, we have to get to that point of where do we stand on how we respond? Mm. Because I see it so much now of I'm going to respond to you because you respond to me, even as believers and all of that, um, which is just causing more disconnection mm-hmm. than it is understanding. That's right. That's right. We can only control ourselves as mm-hmm. much as we wish we can tr- control other people, their responses, their actions, their lives. Right. I can live someone else's life so much better than they can yeah. in my, you know, savior complex mind. But it's not true and it doesn't matter. I can yeah. only control me. Okay. Walk us through. So, how do you? go from coming to the Lord, unpacking your trauma, growing spiritually, then at some point you start, you know, you're a fitness coach, you start implementing essentially the gospel and Jesus into that. And then kind of your ministry unfolding from there. Take us on that journey. Yeah. It's actually a journey. I think I forget to share often is, you know, I, I started my business. Uh, I always say 21, 22. I was like right around that age. And the only full-time job I've ever worked at was Joanne's before yeah. I started working from home. Yeah. And I started my job at 16, you know, worked my way up to like key holder and all those things. And then I started, I was kind of homeless there for a few years. So I lived with my cousin and her five children in the basement, Wow. shared a bed with my cousin and she kind of like pushed me and she's like, Hey, you should probably just get a house. And I was like, what? No way. So I, the Lord um, took me a year to like find a house, super picky. But when I walked in, I knew that I knew that I knew. And I was like, this is a house. So I bought a house, found the Lord and started a business all in the same year. (laughs) Uh, And at that time it was my fitness business. Um, I've been a part of a company for over 10 years, more than 10 years now. And everything started to climb from there, but I would say I was the girl in the fitness coach that was in the short shorts, sports bra, Uh, all the things look how, you know, muscular I am. And then the Lord got a hold of me. I would say even after, again, it was a slow process for me, a slow burn, as you said, it took me about uh, three, maybe four years to start actually incorporating faith into my business, Mm -hmm. um, into my posts, into things like that. And I'm sure I seeded it more, but they were more like fluffy, like God is for you and God is bigger, which isn't, I don't want to say fluffy Mm because it's true, but you know what I mean? Now I do a lot of more in-depth stuff, but you know, then the writing of the books came and then of course the podcast came this year, but it's been this slow transition of what does it look like? Cause I want people to like me and follow me and all the things. So if I have a nice body, then, you know, get all the things. And I've been, you know, in business for more than 10 years now and it's really evolved. And I think, you know, people will unfollow you that don't like what you have to say and people will say that do. So, uh, it's just been quite the transition. I would even say over the last, I mean, this year, I feel like there's been Mm. so much change. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah. And how do you think that that has personally impacted you? Like how, how are you different? How is your life different? Because you really started incorporating what it means to be a follower of Christ, like within the fitness industry. Cause I mean, that's a massive industry and it's a massive industry that in many ways, like preaches lies to us that are super against what God says about us. Right. Yeah. For me, it was freeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I didn't feel, I always tell people 
that I, if you see me in person, I want to be the same person I am online that you would see offline. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have the really hard conversations. And I, um, one of the only things that's really hard to do on social media is be like a little sarcastic. Uh, so you don't really see my personality come out too much in uh-huh. that. Um, Ditto. I've gotten t- in trouble a, a couple times, too many that I was like, maybe this is yeah, yeah, not great. And it's hard sometimes talking to yourself to be like comical. Uh, but I just want so- to be true to myself. Mm. And if we were talking about fitness in person, I would be talking about it like I do on social media today. And, you know, I'm not your girl. If you want somebody to like really feel fluffy with. I'm your girl. That's like, here's all the angles, you know, like Mm -hmm. this isn't just your husband or this. It's like, let's talk about all the things um, that will point you to truth. And so I just want to be the same person offline that is online. And that is freeing for me. And I know a lot of people have a hard time. I'm not to the point where, you know, people are saying you're so bold about your faith. And I was like, I don't even think about that. And I'm sure you feel the same way, Hannah, where you're just like, wow, I, Maybe I don't even know if I was ever at that point. I can't remember, but now it's just second nature because mm-hmm. whatever I'm learning, uh, I'm sharing mm-hmm. totally. or whatever the Lord's sharing with me. Totally. I am a strong believer in whatever we're putting into our minds and hearts, like can't not overflow into everything else. And so like, if you are excited about the Lord and what you're learning, what he's doing in your life, like you can't not share it. It just comes out of you. Yeah, um, it's true. And I love following people like you and others on Instagram who I may never meet in person. You know, we may never get to meet until we're in heaven, <laughs> but yeah. that are saying the same things and saying things that I need to hear. I mean, that's what I, I literally, I joke, like what I post on Instagram is literally what I'm preaching to myself. Like mm-hmm. I am never get, it's not like this, you know, pretend stage that I'm getting on and stepping behind a pulpit and preaching what I think the people need to hear. No, it's like, this is what I am preaching to myself today, because this is the truth that I need to be reminded of today. Mm. Okay. So you talk about, you teach women how to dismantle lies that keep them from healing and wholeness. How do you do that? That is major. Yeah. To be honest, it starts with questions. Mm. Uh, I, all the time in my DMS, you can come hang out with me. Um, I have two accounts living free, living healthy or Jessica Hoddle, but I often in DMS will just ask women. So tell me why you think about that mm-hmm. or tell me where that thought came from. And I just start asking questions and sooner or later, they're like, uh, actually I've never thought about that before. I have no clue, but like it's what we are talking about food and healthy. Um, I'll talk with women about emotional eating or the obsession that they have about their body. And I'd be like, Hey, when did this start? Or why do you do that? Uh, and it will kind of go back and forth. And this one girl was like, Oh, like, I didn't even know that I could think differently. Mm-hmm. I thought I was just going to have to wrestle with my body image for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, so that to me, just challenging the narrative and the story gets you to confront the lies because I always said, this is how I always tell women. Cause they're like, well, how do I know if it's the truth? How do I know it's a lie? Lies always bring destruction. Mm-hmm. They always lead you to feeling less than not good enough. If we think about John 10, 10, if the thoughts are coming to kill, steal, or destroy a relationship, they're making you feel like you're, you're, you know, best friends against you or whatever it is. It's a, it's a lie. Mm-hmm. If it's a truth, it brings restoration it brings reconciliation. Mm. So if I'm, if I'm thinking on a truth, I'm assuming the best about somebody. Uh, I'm thinking about what is um, healthy for me. If I'm being kind to myself, right. Mm -hmm. We can differentiate a truth and a lie 
pretty easily if we're aware of what we're thinking about. Mm. And that's where we go into, well, who told you that you were fat? Like who told you that you had to be skinny? Who told you that you had to know the whole Bible before you started talking about the Bible? Mm -hmm. Like once we get to that point, then they're like, Oh, okay. It's like this on, it's like the veil is torn, Mm -hmm. so to speak of this lie of like this covering that the enemy has put on, on them. And it's really freeing to watch. So when you think about your first 18 years and the trauma that you experienced and all the lies that you believed and hardships that you had to endure, can you now look back at that season and see how God has used that for your good and his glory? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. There's been times where I used to hate what I went through. Mm-hmm. I heard a pastor say one time, he's like, if you've ever been through something, write a book because people will want it. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and it's like, we've been through so much. It's like, you might as well make some money off the pain that you had, you know? I mean, he was like joking, of right. course, but it just makes me laugh, you know, thinking back, I'm like, wow, like I am so thankful that I went through what I went through. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. my heart, my heart is with uh, sex trafficking women and getting them out. And like, my heart is just so there. And I have this such a tender compassion for women uh, with, you know, that have sex before marriage or body image issues or dating guys or having sex or people that really struggle with the Bible or, you know, their family issues, you know, not talking or, you know, just every area of my life, I feel like I can have compassion or empathy mm-hmm. towards business relationship, like all of that because of what I went through. Mm-hmm. And it's given me the ability to have a thousand different perspectives. Um, Just being able to look at one situation and look at it from all sides. And I feel so gifted to be able to do that um, because it helps in really hard conversations to be able to not just pinpoint one view, but to be able to say, well, what about this? And what about this? Just to get the person thinking, because that's how I think when something happens, I'm like, okay what are like all the things that could really be happening Mm -hmm. versus what I'm feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just honestly thankful for what I've been Mm -hmm. through. I don't, I don't want to sit here and say that God caused it um, Mm -mm. at all. Like I'm not saying, please don't say that. I'm just saying that he is good in the bad and he makes things good that feel bad. And for me, my most of my life, you know, up until I would say even up until I met my husband, I still wrestled with a lot of insecurity after I met my husband. So I would say even after 27 years, like it took me a long time. So I'm only in this like five year span where like, I feel like freedom is really, is really what I'm walking in. So it took me a long time, but yeah, I'm thankful Mm -hmm. for it. Psalm 145 tells us that the Lord is kind in all his ways. He's Mm -hmm. filled with kindness He's always kind. And, you know, I think a lot of us have experienced horrible things in our lives. And that is due to the sin and evilness that exists in this world, right? Like sin is not kind. Evil is not kind. The enemy is not kind. So there are all kinds of things, not to use the word overuse the word kind. There are all types (laughs) of things that happen to us that are not kind. But just what you're saying, the Lord and his kindness 
will save us from those things. One, if we look to him and to redeem us from those things, redeem those things that happen and use it in a way that's unimaginable. And I mean, my theory is that every single one of us, the personal ministry that we have, and I don't just mean like you, obviously you have a public ministry, you have books and you have a platform and a podcast and all these things, but all of us have a personal ministry, right? Like whatever we're doing to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our daily life, that's our personal ministry. And I think all of us, like the epicenter of our personal ministry really comes from a pain point in our life. Like whatever it is, it's been the hardest thing for us to walk through because really it's in the hardship where we really get to see the goodness of the Lord, right? Like I don't get to experience healing, joy, hope, freedom, love, like all these things that we want. We don't really get to experience those without the foil to them of disappointment, loss, grief, rejection, hardship, tragedy. And again, I'm not, I don't believe that God causes those things, but I think that evil and sin in this world is what causes it. And yeah. God and his amazing Amen. kindness uses those things for us to experience the richness of who he is and what he has to offer us in a way that we would never experience had we not gone through those things. Mm-hmm. I I think that's where a lot of believers get stuck because for me, I was under that philosophy, theology where God's giving you this or God's teaching you with this or and it was very hurtful mm-hmm. and I didn't realize how hurtful it was because if I believe God's giving me all this bad stuff, how can I look to a God that's giving me all the bad stuff to see the good stuff? Like I wouldn't go to a doctor that was giving me sickness to also heal me. Yeah, it's not, it's not really a God that you can trust. Yeah. And and that really affected my life. Mm -hmm. And I think coming out of that theology was, it's only been a couple of years (laughs) that I can, and that, and that has been something that I've been passionate about, um, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to help people dismantle that lie as well. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that you addressed that. Okay. Two final questions. One, we always talk about scripture on no matter what, and we've talked about Ephesians five a little bit, but is there a piece of scripture or a story in the Bible that you have just really hung your hat on through this journey or one that you wish you could travel back in time and like right across a mirror so that you could see it <laughs> um, in the midst of your journey? Yeah. Psalm 139 was actually kind of how my ministry birthed. I know it's a really popular one, but I would say, you know, maybe around 25 when I was about 25, that was the scripture that really stuck out to me because it was the intimacy of how the father knows us Mm -hmm. so well and how, when we're in our bad times or in our struggles, which is that deep, deep Valley, he's there. He's like, Hey, you know, the, the writer is kind of like, I can't escape from you. I kind of want to run from you because I'm a little ashamed and embarrassed and all these things. But the father's kind of like, Hey, like, look, I'm there. I'm with you in the Valley. I'm with you in the mountaintops. Like, let's be sorrowful. Let's, you know, be happy. And then the hairs on your head, the thoughts that he thinks about us are more than the grains of the sand. And it was the intimacy Mm -hmm. of what he knows about us. Mm -hmm. And that was what really stirred me on in that scripture. Mm -hmm. I love Psalm 139. I think I was in fifth, maybe sixth grade. And I went to a Christian school and we had to memorize a Bible verse every week. And a lot of quarters, it was like a quarter system. The Bible verses we memorized every week were consecutive. And so by the end of a quarter, we would have memorized a whole you know chapter of some book or whatever. And Psalm 139 was one of those books. And I 
will be forever grateful <laughs> that that mm-hmm. psalm. I mean, anyone knows who's tried to do scripture memory as an adult. It's like so hard compared to when you're a child. <laughs> yeah. And I am so grateful that that has been seared into my memory. And then what it's become, it's really become one of the staple passages that I teach on, especially at middle school and high school retreats because I think if if we as believers especially as young believers if we could wrap our brains around Psalm 139 and what that means who God is and who we are in light of who he is and how he has created us I mean it would change yeah. it would change everything mm-hmm. um yeah so I, I love that I love I don't think we've talked about that chapter on no matter what before okay my final question for you what is one thing you long for every person listening to this podcast, really for every believer to know, to understand, to believe. I think for me, it's that God is for you and he sees you and he hears you and you're already known. Like that is huge for me. I, there's a couple of scriptures that in different parts of the Bible um, where Paul actually talks about, like, I may not be known, but I'm fully known by God. Like Mm -hmm. there are these little, it's like little, just little three word phrases. And that encourages me so much because it's like, Paul's like, I'm already known. Like, I don't need to be known by like all you people, but I'm already known by the father. Mm -hmm. And to know that, that surpasses everything. When we can rest in knowing that we're already known, we don't have to prove ourselves anymore. We don't have to prove or try to be popular or to be heard because when we're known, then we know that we're seen and we know that we're heard. Mm. And that to me is just huge. And I think sometimes when we're holding on to darkness and secrets, that's really scary to think that God knows us and that the things we've been trying to keep hidden from everyone else are not hidden to him. I mean, Psalm 139, right? Even the darkness is not dark to you. It doesn't matter how dark of something is in my life and my soul, my heart, my mind, it's not darkness to the Lord. But the freedom in that is you are fully known. He knows every dark secret and he loves you in spite of it. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about the darkness. He loves you and he's calling you into his light. Chapter one of first John says like, If we step into the light, that is where we experience his freedom and fellowship with him. And I love that. That's so good. Yeah, that is good. Jessica Hoddle, thank you so much for coming on no matter what. I'm so thrilled to make this connection with you and start a new friendship. Y'all go follow Jessica at Jessica Hoddle and also Living Free, Living Healthy. Check out her website, her podcast. What's the truth? Y'all are going to love it. Jessica, thanks again. Thank you so much. Before you go, I want to remind you about my book, The College Girl Survival Guide. If you have a college girl in your life that you want to encourage and love on, grab a copy of this book and send it to her with a handwritten note. I wrote The College Girl Survival Guide from my 10 plus years of mentoring and guiding over thousands of college women as I helped them navigate the transition from high school through college and beyond. This book is a culmination of all of those conversations and relationships, emails, and heart to hearts, and it contains the answers to the top 52 concerns of college women today. It's real, it's biblically based, and it's designed to help college women not only make the most of their college experience, but create habits that will propel them into their 20s and beyond. You can find the College Girl Survival Guide anywhere books are sold online, or if you'd like a personalized copy that's signed by me and includes an art print that she can hang in her dorm room or apartment, you can buy it at hannahseymour.com.